Okay, so uh, tonight's topic is going to be uh, a little bit light. Not that ones in the past necessarily have been uh, have, have been heavy, but uh, tonight we're going to go on the uh, on the lighter side uh, in terms of something which is not so much uh, lemaisa for us, but it's something which uh, you know explores interesting halachic uh, halachic ideas. And the subject really began as I was trying to catch up in my um, in my Mishabura studies, in my Mishabura review, uh, which I've fallen behind since Sukkot. <laughs> um, but uh, so I was trying to catch up while the kids are out of town, and that gave me uh, some, uh, some more time. So I came across an interesting halacha. I said, oh, I remember that this is an interesting topic. We actually did this uh, in one of the fairy tales with Pinocchio. But I figured now that I saw it in the Mishabura here, so we might as well explore it in terms of what it is. So I, I generalize it since uh, uh, most people are not going to be creating a golem. Actually, maybe I shouldn't judge. I actually don't know what you guys are capable of doing. But maybe uh, maybe you do have something going on in the background over there. That's why you uh, have those fake backgrounds so that we shouldn't see the golem making uh, in the process, but so rather than go ahead and discuss something in terms of uh, of a golem, so we're going to discuss something which is a little bit more uh, technologically cutting edge, scientifically cutting edge, medically cutting edge, and that is going to be the question of uh, of clones. So if we go ahead and develop technology to be able to clone a person, so does a clone count towards a minion. Now, those of you who are regulars by the minion by us, you know that that would be incredibly helpful for us. <laughs> that every time we're short, go ahead and just uh, pop out a couple of clones and then we will be good to go. We wouldn't run into a problem of having to look for a center. We'll just go ahead and create that, uh, that center and then we'll uh, be ready to go with the minion at any time, at any place. And the question is, is this something which will work? It's not going to work. What exactly would halacha say? Okay, so the Mishabura, which I uh, which I ran into this week in my reviews, so it says as follows, uh, and it's it's almost like surprising that the Mishabura would mention it because you think we we think of the Mishabura as being a very practical minded safer, telling us what to do in various halachic situations which arise. It's not a theoretical halachic safer; it's a practical halacha safer, and yet in the halachas where we are talking about who counts towards a minion and who doesn't and whatnot. And one of the issues that we're going to, that we'll see that the post can discuss is let's say you have 10 people who are there, but one of them is snoring away. So if one of them is snoring away, they fell asleep. So do they count towards a minion? Does a sleeping person count towards a minion? So here in that discussion, the Mishabur comes along with this fascinating idea. And he says, Adam Sefer Yitzira. So let's say one uses the Kabbalistic work called Sefer Yitzir, or the Book of Creation, and you go ahead and you create a person. You make Frankenstein. So is Frankenstein, is he going to count towards the minion or is he not? Does he count towards a minion or any other time that you need, uh, any circumstance where a minion is necessary? So does a golem, or Frankenstein, does he count towards, or Pinocchio, does he count towards a minion or not? So Mishavura says, if you need to know this question, if you need to know the answer to this, I am B'tshuva's Chacham Tzvi, Simen Tzadigil. So look in the Tshuva of the Chacham Tzvi. 
And then he says, Sefer Ikri, Dinah Master Kasavinyan Zeh. Okay, with that, we're not going to look at. But the Rishabura said we should look at the Chacham Tzvi. Okay? So Chacham Tzvi <laughs> is not a far fetched Sefer to go ahead and to, uh, to track down. Uh, I have a hard copy of it. You can find them on almost any good uh, database which has chuvas online like Bar Ilan or whatever. So we look up the Chacham Tzvi. The Chacham Tzvi, for those who are uh, unfamiliar, his name was Tzvi Ashkenazi, but he is, amongst other things, he's a, he has a name uh, uh, to himself, which is the Chacham Tzvi, but he's also known as the father of Rav Yaakov Emden. Rav Yaakov Emden, who's referred to as the Yaivitz, so it's Yaakov, Yud Ayin, and then the base Sari is Ben Tzvi. So the Yaivitz himself referenced, referenced himself by his father's name, and that is the Chacham Tzvi. So he says as follows, this is in Simon Tzadi Gimel. He writes, Nistapakti. I don't know why he this uh, thought occurred to him. We'll see in a moment why, uh, perhaps why. But he says, Nistapakti, I'm uncertain. If you have a person who's created with this Sefer Yitzir, with this Kabbalistic how-to work, so Ka'osa Shamu Sanhedrin, similar to what the Gemara in Sanhedrin itself talks about on Samachem Abayz, that Rava bara gavra, that Rava went ahead and created a person. And so that's that, that's where we have precedent for the potential for such a thing. And then he says, And he says that they also testify about one, his grandfather, great-grandfather, some ancestor of his from this city called Chelm. I don't think it's the Chelm that we read about in the, the kids' books, but it's a, an actual city named Chelm. That So can a golem, we'll just say for simplicity, does a golem count towards a minion for those things which require a minion? What is the, what, what, why would you potentially say yes or no? Do we say, on the one hand, the source for the idea of a minion is the pasuk which says, and I will be sanctified amongst the Jewish people. And therefore, it has to be somebody who is born to the Jewish people or has joined the Jewish people. So lo mitzarif, perhaps we would say that since he's not a, a b'nei Yisrael, so therefore he should not count towards a minion. Odilba came into Kaimulam and Sanhedrin, or perhaps we will go ahead and we will say, based on the Gemara in Sanhedrin, that Hamagadel Yosom Besoch Beso, somebody who raises an orphan in his home, Male Lavakasov Kilu Yoldo, the Pasa considers it as if you have given birth to that person. So Mirchsiv, and then we go ahead and he brings the Pasa to that. So being that raising somebody could be considered the same as giving birth to them. Being that this golem was created by a tzaddik, so So maybe it's considered to be this golem is considered to be halachically the child of the tzaddik who created him. And we know Chazal say that the uh, the uh, deeds the uh, activities of its tzaddik are considered to be their offspring, and therefore we may be able to go ahead and say that if a tzaddik is able to go ahead and create a golem, maybe he is considered to be the tzaddik's child, and therefore he would be a member of the tribe and would count towards a minion. Without a bris, 
What? Without a bris? Um, without a bris. Maybe he has a bris. I don't know. Yeah. A bris would not be uh, uh, essential to being able to count towards a minion. The 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 the, the atom analogy strikes me as rather poor. I, I mean, you know, you you you. Even if you're Megadel Yatom, the, the Jewishness of the Yatom depends on what his natural parents were, not what you do to him. Uh, so. Right, that's true. But he was, but he came into existence by a Jew. Yeah. So now he says, venerally. So now you you could pose such a question. So it's interesting to pose such a question, but now you have to find precedent somewhere in Shas to be able to answer this question. It's no fun if you just pose the question and there's no precedent. It's only fun in the event that we could find precedent. So where do we find precedent for this? Says the Chacham Tzvi Venerali, seems to me, the Kevon Deshkechan the Reb Zeira, min at, that when Reb Zeira saw this golem, which was created by Rava, back in the Gemara and Sanhedrin, what was Reb Zeyra's response to that golem? He said, Tuv He says, return to dust. In other words, he took whatever life force would exist existed inside of this golem. So Reb Zeyra went ahead and removed it. And the golem, you know, collapsed back into dust. A melting, that kind of uh, that kind of thing. So once that went ahead and that happened, Haresha Hargo. So essentially Reb Zeyra went ahead and killed the golem. Now, would Reb Zeyra actually go ahead and kill somebody? If this person was considered to be alive, we would consider them to be a person that they should count towards a minion. There's no way Reb Zeyra would kill him. And therefore, if you were to entertain the possibility, that if the golem could actually count towards a minion, would have a, uh, a tangible benefit that he could uh, provide for others, that he counts towards a minion, so then Reb Zeir would not, would not have removed him from the world. Now the, the Chacham Tzvi says this fascinating idea. And he says, even though there certainly would not be the Isidaraisa of murder, which would apply to a, uh, to a golem. Why? Because if you read the Pasuk carefully, so you'll see the Pasuk limits the scope of the prohibition of murder, skipping the parentheses here, because he acknowledges that there's other ways to darshan. But he says, we have a drush which says, the Pasuk says, shofech dam ha'adam ba'adam, damo yishafech. That if you pour the blood of a person in a person, so then his blood, meaning the murder, will be spilled. So what does it mean, ha'adam bi'adam? So darshan zechacham tzvi, davka adam hanotz artoch adam. That when is the, when does the, the prohibition of murder apply? Only when you kill someone who came into existence from inside of somebody else, meaning that they have to have been not necessarily conceived, but they have to have developed and been born from a woman. And therefore, a golem, which is created outside of any sort of womba, so is not going to be subject to the prohibition of murder. So although it's clear, says the Chacham Tzvi, that there's no prohibition of murder for killing a golem, um, uh, 
uh, the, oh, sorry, he wasn't finished with the drush of the Hainu. Uber Hanotzer Bime Imo, a fetus which is created inside of its mother. That's it's only such a person that one would be held accountable for murder. Which excludes this golem, which was created by Rava, which happened not even in the petri dish, but which happened apparently in his living room or dining room or maybe kitchen. I don't know, wherever it was. But says the even though there's no prohibition of murder. If there was actually a benefit for the ongoing existence of this golem that he counts towards a minion, so there's no way that Reb Zeru would have gone ahead and had him removed. Therefore, it's clear, says the Chacham Tzvi, I hold that a golem does not count towards a minion. And this is my psach. Rabbi Shaffel, yes. uh, what about... The fact that wasn't Rabbi Rabbi Zera uh, uh, killed temporarily during a Purim party? Uh, yeah, Rabbi yes. and Rabbi Zera. So maybe you could argue that that was a punishment for for uh, maybe push the clone out of a window or the golem. It would be a long distance clone fall. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that, that that could be that. Uh, I, I'm looking forward now to Purim, where you go ahead and you develop this into a, a full drusher for us. I'm through. That was too much. That was over the line. <laughs> and I have a question. Yeah. So, you know, now they're making babies in, like, out of the fetus in these machine things. As right. uh, That means that those would be considered like that? Uh, no, because those are put back into a woman. The clone Not also. always. Has... Sometimes they have it in these. They stay in there the whole I time. Think, I don't think so. No. 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 Mel, Mel is shaking his head. No. Okay then. I, th- I think they. I think that they they fertilize the egg, uh, it, 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 in a lab, but then it gets put uh, back into the mother. It needs to implant in the mother in order to grow and develop. I don't take any responsibility for science when you have all these science people <laughs> who, who are on the uh, part of the shear. I'm lucky if I could read and translate the sources. So this is what the Chacham Tzvi says. Now, over here in source number three, so we have a uh, in the uh, back of the edition of the Chacham Tzvi, which I have. So one of the nice things which they did was they gathered together all of the subsequent Sfarim, which discussed that tshuva, whatever tshuva it is, in the Chacham Tzvi. So anytime the Chacham Tzvi's tshuvas are mentioned anywhere, so they make reference to them in these notes in back, these end notes in the back. So here he says a fascinating idea, because the Chacham Tzvi's entire proof that it must be that uh, a, a golem doesn't count, was by virtue of the fact that Reb Zeira went ahead and killed this, or he he uh, he returned the golem back to uh, to Daz by saying Shuvi Afrech, go back to uh, to uh, to dirt. So he says, oh, he says, So he so they say over here that if you look at the Sefer Halacha Lemosha, second volume in his comments on the Chacham Tzvi. So I, I'm not familiar with the Sefer Halacha Lemosha. So I said, okay. I have access to uh, to Otsar Chachma. 
I will go ahead and find the Sefer and look it up inside. I'd rather grab it from inside the Sefer than see how somebody else quotes it. So I put in the name of the Sefer, Halach Lamosha, and I got 15 Halach Lamoshas. And I couldn't find any of them where there was a Chalik base, which is talking about the Chacham Tzvi. So I had no choice but to go ahead and take this third hand. So I apologize for that. But he says, Custom He says, telling the golem to return to dust actually cannot be. We know from elsewhere in Shas that that's not considered to be murder. Why? Where do we see elsewhere in Shas? Because we find in the Gemara in Tainus, and I don't want to go through the whole story over there. But over there, the Amar Rebiosi Dimin Yukras, that Rebiosi of Yukras said, Labarte said to his daughter, Shuvi la'afrech, that you should go back to dust, and other people should not end up sinning as a result of, by, by gazing at your beauty. Now, obviously, if Rabbi Yossi Demin Yukras used that exact same phrase, just in Hebrew rather than Aramaic, so obviously that wouldn't constitute any sort of shrikos dam, that wouldn't constitute any sort of murder. So for the Chacham Tzvi to assume that using the phrase tuv afreich to take something out of existence would constitute shrikos damim, so that is clearly refuted by the Gemara in Tainus. And therefore, once you say that, then the entire proof of the Chacham Tzvi sort of falls out the, uh, the window. But okay, but that's the position which the Chacham Tzvi goes at and he adopts. Now, what's great about this, one of the things which is great about this, is that in Source 4, we have the Tshuva, the She'elus Yaivetz, that is the uh, Rav Yaakov Emden. So this is uh, his Tshuva. Again, the Yaivetz is Yaakov Ben Svi over here. So uh, the Yaivetz, for those who don't know much about his uh, biography, so he was a very, uh, I hesitate to use the term, colorful, colorful, colorful character, but he was somebody who was very colorful. Uh, he wrote a lot about, the, he wrote an entire sitter just because he was offended by somebody else who put out a sitter with grammar, with diktuk, which he felt was completely wrong. So therefore he wrote a diktuk book, Eris Luach, I think it's called, Luach Eris, I think it's called. And then he wrote a whole sitter. So in addition to all of the Kabbalah, which he puts in there, and all the halacha, which he puts in there, so there's a lot of emphasis he has on diktuk. But he also wrote the tshuvas. And he addressed this point, which was raised, this question, which was raised by his father. And that is, He says, the uncertainty that my father raised in his sefer, when, if somebody creates a golem using the sefer yitzir, using these Kabbalistic methods, so does that golem count towards a minion? So he says, now, it's amazing that he could say this. He says, with all due respect to my father, kashali my kami baile. He says, I'm really, I have difficulty understanding what exactly was troubling my father. Because he says, the, the Chacham Tzvi uh, uh, approaches this, and this is something which Art had, uh, was, uh, was actually omed on, actually focused on to some degree. And that is that the Chacham Tzvi focused on whether this golem is going to qualify as a Yisroel or not. And he seemed to frame it in terms of if we could put him into the category of Yisrael, he for sure counts towards a minion. If he's not going to be in the category of Yisrael, then he for sure doesn't count in the minion. 
comes along Rav Yaakov Demden and says, what is being a Yisroel or not? Why is that going to be the critical factor of whether a person counts as a minion? Because we know that there are other people who are clearly part of Klal Yisroel and they're not counted towards a minion. He says, why would this be different than a cheresh, a deaf mute, one second, Alan, show to somebody who's insane or a katan, that they don't count towards a minion, even though they are certainly uh, Jews, and he says, certainly people in these categories are treated no different than the other, any other Jews, except for the obligation to fulfill particular mitzvahs. And we know, and we know somebody, uh, even though these people are not, may not be obligated to mitzvahs, and they may not count towards a minion, nonetheless, if somebody were to murder them, there'd be liability. Visu mia, and they certainly have some element of das. And certainly a child who eventually will have das necessary to be an adult and count towards a minion. And therefore, and but nonetheless, they still don't count towards a minion. So he says, I don't understand why my father framed this in terms of whether we're going to put him into the category of a Yisrael or not. That doesn't seem to be the issue. Yes, Alan. Well, I totally women completely, you women know, also, this, right? the whole category. Yeah, right. you know, it doesn't matter the list them. I see that, but my 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 but hand then, was but, raised just to say that women also but, are in this. Correct, but women will be the will be the same thing, right? So he says that, um, and then he goes ahead and he analyzes uh, what exactly because uh, uh, Raba, I think, no, Ribzera had sent him on a mission somewhere. So he says that he points out that as he tries to figure out where which category of people we can potentially put the golem into, he says, It seems to be evident that the golem had the capacity to hear the because Rava went ahead and sent the golem to visit Rebzera. So, how did Rebzera know where he was? How did the golem know where he was supposed to go? unless he understood, he heard and understood the instructions given to him by Rava. And therefore, if we were to put him into a category or put a label on him, we would put him into the category of somebody who is capable, somebody who's mute, somebody who's capable of hearing, but does not speak. And such a person is considered to have all of their, uh, their faculties, and is considered to be uh, uh, obligated in all mitzvahs the same as anybody else. So, therefore, doesn't that prove, doesn't that indicate to us that as a, a creature which has das, so certainly we should, we should be able to count him towards a minion. But then he says, no, he says, however, this does not appear to be correct. This doesn't seem to be a, 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 a solid proof. Why? He says, if, if when you create a golem, if they would have the capacity to hear, undoubtedly the golem would also have the capacity to, to speak. And that's something which we, we don't find that he did. And therefore, what was the story with the golem? And it's interesting speculation. He says, Rather, what happened was is that the golem doesn't actually cannot speak, 
the golem cannot hear as we hear, but the golem does understand sign language. That's what he means by remizos or kritzos. So you can point him in a direction and say, you know, go that away or whatever it's going to be. So kemo, and he says, and that ability to follow instructions is kemo shemelamdim, sorry, kemo shemelamdim as a kelef, lelech b'shlichus aholich ulahavi me'uma me'adam acher. Just like you could send your dog out to the uh, to the front of the uh, the house to pick up the newspaper, drop off the newspaper by your lazy board chair to go ahead and get your slippers and open up a beer for you. So you can train a a a dog to do all of those things. So if you can train a dog to do all of those things, why shouldn't you be able to train a golem to do those same those same things? And therefore, uh, it doesn't prove anything in terms of his das, the ability to be trained doesn't indicate das. And therefore, the, the, uh, the Ivitz of Yaakov Enden is not, he is not accepting any assertion that this golem has any das whatsoever, which would, qualify him for a, uh, which would qualify him for a minion. And he says, in fact, because of the Sefer Chesed Lavram, if you look in the Sefer called Chesed Lavram, Shein Chiyusa Ela Kechiyus HaBehema. He maintains that when a person, uh, when a golem is created, so that golem is not categorized as human. That golem is categorized as an animal. And that's the that's a category that we would go ahead and, and put him into. And he says, and therefore, if we go ahead and we categorize the golem as an animal, so then obviously there's no avera per se to go ahead and kill an animal. So therefore, it's merely an animal which is born in the shape of a person or with the appearance, the features of a person. But just because one has the features of a person doesn't make him a person. And therefore, that's why he would say that uh, um, that uh, that he was he that Rav Yaakov Emden is rejecting this notion that he would count as a uh, as a as a person as a ben das at all. And also would insist would uh, uh, insist that it would not count towards a minion. Now the last part of this is something which, um, just as we go along, just because it's reminiscent of the golem of Prague, which may or may not have existed, whether the Maral actually created a golem or not. But here, Rav Yaakov Emden says, quoting again from his uh, this uh, Zaidi of his, he says that after this golem, which is created by his ancestor. He saw that that golem, he kept on just growing larger and larger, and I guess stronger and stronger. He became concerned that he would destroy the world. So therefore, he took the piece of paper, which was on the golem's forehead, which had the name of God written on it. And it was that name of God on that sticky note. That was the original sticky note. On the sticky note, on the golem's forehead, that's what infused life into the golem. And when this uh, ancestor of Rav Yaakov Emden re- removed the sticky note from the, uh, the golem's forehead, and as a result of that, it returned back to dirt. It lost all of its life force, and it just became this mound of, uh, of dirt. And, uh, okay, so that is what Yaakov Emden says about, uh, about this. Now, once we're on this topic already, and it's uh, something where you have this uh, uh, interesting um, overlap between Kabbalah and Halacha. So we have now, 
Sorry, it gets cut off over here. But we have the Birke Yosef. So the Birke Yosef is written by the Gaon Chida. So the Chida, if you remember, I think we've talked about him before. Chaim Yosef David Azulai is the uh, is his name, a mouthful of a name. But the, the Chida in his time, so he, uh, without exaggeration, he was the most, he had the uh, the widest, widest breadth of knowledge which existed. He saw more Sfarim, and he saw manuscripts than anybody else alive, uh, certainly in his generation. And the reason that was so is because he was somebody who went around and collected tzedakah. And back in the day, this is actually before they have green cards, but they went ahead and he would go from community to community collecting tzedakah for those in Eretz Yisrael. And since you would only go collecting by day, so what do you do when you're a tzedakah collector at night? So at night, he would go to the local shul or the local base medrash. He would say, do you have any old farm or anything which, uh, you know, are just collecting dust on a bookshelf or something? And he would spend all night reading through those sfarim. And that way he saw sfarim, which nobody else had really, had really seen. And somehow he must have had a photographic memory or something like that. And after seeing a safer one time in the course of his travels, so he was able to uh, uh, pull it up, pull up that database and be, be able to pull up what he had read. So he wrote about halacha and he wrote about history and he wrote about uh, uh, Kabbalah and he wrote about absolute everything on top of which he wrote a whole autobiography of all of his travels, you know, just indicating all the things which he, uh, which he experienced as, as he traveled. So one of his farm, one of the more uh, easier farm is the Birka Yosef that is a commentary to Shulchan Aruch. So he goes ahead and he says his vows. He says, Adam So if, if you want to know whether somebody who has created a, a golem is going to count towards a minion, So he says the Chacham Tzvi Paskin that a golem does not count. And he goes ahead and learns it from the Gemara in Sanhedrin, that they went that Reb Zera made the um, the uh, the golem. He returned the golem back to to dust. And if he were, was able to return it back to dust, he must not be alive. If he's not alive, he's not really doesn't really count towards a minion. Okay. Then says the Berke Yosef, So again, this is something which wasn't really a safer. I just saw a letter which was in somebody's you know, in the back of somebody else's safe or something like that. But I saw this letter. So here, the, uh, the Sharafrayim brings a proof that a golem is, it's, a, it's an interesting way of developing this proof, but he brings a proof that a golem doesn't count towards a minion. Because the Gemara in Gittin tells us that Rebbe Lezer was once traveling and there were only nine people in Shul for the minion. And they didn't have a, they didn't have a tenth. So what did Rebbe Lezer do in order to generate a minion? He took his Evid Kanani who had been traveling with him and he freed the Evid Kanani. So once the Evid Kanani is freed, so then he becomes Jewish at that point. And as a Jew, he can now count towards the tenth. So as an Evid Kanani, he doesn't count towards the minion. Once Rebbe Lezer emancipated him, now he counts towards the minion. Okay, what does that have to do with a golem? So says the Sharafrayim. Now, Now, if a golem could count towards the minion, 
So why didn't Rebbe Lezer take the easier route, the more halachically sound route of creating the tenth man for the minion by using the Sefi Yitzir, create a golem? Rebbe Lezer Kocho, because the uh, the Zohar indicates us that certainly Rebbe Lezer had the capacity to create a golem if he so cho- if he so wanted, and therefore, uh, given a choice between creating a golem or violating a positive command in the mitzvah, a, a positive command in the Torah, and freeing an Eved Kanani, Rebbe Lezer certainly should have chosen the option which doesn't involve violating in Asay, and he should have just gone ahead and created a golem. So the very fact that Rebelezer did not go that route, what does that prove? It must be that the golem wouldn't have counted towards the minion anyways. And therefore, there wasn't a realistic option. And being that it wasn't a realistic option, the only option available was freeing him, freeing his slave and making him, a uh, uh, emancipating him and allowing him to count this towards the minion. And um, Okay, so number one is, so the Birka Yosef himself, he rejects this. He says, I don't find that to be such a, a compelling proof. And he gives a number of reasons for that. And one of them he says is that maybe it could be uh, that, uh, that Rebelezer, although he was certainly capable of doing so, so using Kabbalistic um, incantations and whatnot, or a Kabbalistic methodology to create golems. So that may be somewhat of a misuse of Kabbalah. And therefore, as, a, uh, as an act of piety, so he would refrain from using Kabbalah on a practical level. It's not something for party tricks or something like that to go ahead and to, uh, you know, to make money uh, off of or to uh, get yourself a, uh, a show in Vegas where you go ahead and create people uh, as, as an attraction, as, attractive, as attracting as that may be. But it may be something which would be uh, uh, not appropriate use. And then he says also, Visu Dilma Koki Sorry. Try it again. Uh Su Dilma Koki Hai Maybe, although Rebelezer certainly was capable of creating a golem, who says that you could go ahead and you could get yourself into that mind space, that headspace, where you could create a golem on a dime. Maybe you have to fast for a number of days. You have to say Tehillim X number of times. And maybe all of the preparation necessary in order to be able to create the golem in the first place. So by the time he would have done that, so it would have been, you know, the minion would have disbanded anyways. Nobody was going to wait that amount of time. You have to go in the mikvah 13 times or something like that. And therefore, just because he had the ability to do so doesn't mean he could do it on the fly. And if you wanted to generate a minion at that moment before everybody else goes running off to work, the only reasonable option was to go ahead and free the Avakinami. And therefore, the Birka Yosef is saying, I don't find this to be very, uh, very compelling. Rabbi Schaffel, the last argument that he, yeah. he the Chida has uh, brought up uh, here uh, makes me wonder uh, if we're assuming that the golem is a male um, and thank to Ellen for pointing out this issue uh, earlier, but uh, wouldn't the golem have to be at least 13? Uh, and is that 13 from the time it was created, or uh, is it the way you could tell by looking at his face? Right. So that 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 is something that's a point which uh, uh, some of the other farm which I saw brought up. 
that maybe the golem can count towards a minion, but from the moment of his creation, so now you, the clock starts ticking for 13 years. So you're absolutely, root, uh, absolutely correct as far as that, that there are those who say that um, creating him, even though eventually he could count as a minion, it wouldn't have helped as far as Rebulezer's quandary was concerned because he needed a minion now. People, you know, people will sometimes wait five minutes to see if a minion shows up. Nobody's waiting 13 years. <laughs> that's a long time to wait to, uh, you know, for a minion to, uh, to show up. And therefore, that's why that was not the, an option. So, yes, absolutely. Um, Right now, in the uh, the tshuva of you, the uh, Maria Sad, that's what it says over. That's the uh, like the photocopy which you have over here, the cut and paste. It says tshuva Maria, it's the Maria Sad, which is also known as Yehuda Yaala. So he also addresses this uh, this point, and he says Vida. And I apologize, it's uh, an unclear Rashi script, but make do with what we have. Says Vida, the Chacham Tzvi b'Tshuva Sivud Nsadi Gimel Istapu Adam Shenotzar Ayedei Sefer Yitzira. So as he said, the Chacham Tzvi is uncertain about the status of a golem. Kamo Rava Bara Gavra, like Rava went ahead and created a golem. Imitzarif Lasar Ayin Shom. Ladasa, I assume this is pre-Chadash Vitaz. So he says, so in his halachic analysis of whether a golem will count. So he says, first of all, according to the pre-Chadash and the Taz, the Yashen Ein Mitzarif that somebody who's sleeping doesn't count. So now there's a machlokas about that, whether a sleeping person counts, but let's go with that opinion that says a sleeping person doesn't count. Why doesn't a sleeping person count? They're there. Why can't they, uh, they count? In, uh, so he says, so if we, if we were to accept that position that a sleeping person doesn't count, so certainly a golem is not going to count. Why is it a kavachomer that if a sleeping person doesn't count, certainly a golem doesn't count? He says that taimahu, because the reason why a sleeping person doesn't count is lefisha nishmaso nistalka. It's not because he's sleeping and he's inattentive. It's because we know that when a person goes to sleep, their neshama goes back up to shamayim. So the purpose of the minion isn't to have 10 bodies there, we say that jokingly sometimes that for a minion, we just need a body. We don't even need you to daven or whatever. We just need a body there. But it's actually not true. It's not that we need a body. We need 10 neshamas. And therefore, if a person is sleeping, the Taz, for example, says since his neshama is not here in the room, his neshama is in Shamayim somewhere, so he doesn't count towards a minion. And therefore, v'adam kehai, this golem which was created, Aimbo Neshama Cloud doesn't have a Neshama in the first place. Even in his animate existence as a golem, he certainly doesn't have a Neshama. So if it's essential to a, a minion are 10 Neshamas, so certainly, like those who say a sleeping person doesn't count, they would certainly say that a golem is not going to count. Rak Ruachiyuni, all they have is some sort of life force, but it's not the type of life force which is connected to a Neshama that can be used for a minion. And therefore, he says, So now this is the Maria Asad is coming along in a roundabout way, not so much trying to prove um, uh, whether a golem can be used or not, but he's actually trying to figure out whether a sleeping person can be used or not. So he says, if the Chacham Tzvi entertains the possibility that a golem can count towards the minion, 
So what does that what does that tell us about a uh, about a sleeping person? It must be that a neshama is not essential for the minion. All you need is a body. A body, even without the neshama, when you have a sleeping person. So by virtue of the fact that he could ask the question, it must be pshita milsa kepsaka avram. It must be the, the Chacham Tzvi uh, 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 agrees with the ruling of Shulchan Aruch and the Magen Avram. The Yasha Mitzdarif, that somebody is sleeping, does count towards a minion. And only when you accept the premise that a sleeping person can count towards a minion, then you can ask, can we take it one step further and can a golem count? But if you were to accept the premise that a sleeping person doesn't count towards a minion, then you would never entertain the possibility that a golem would count. So therefore, the Chacham Tzvi, since he, he, he posed the question about a golem, it must be, proves the Mari Asad, it must be that he agrees that a sleeping person does count. So that is where the Mari Asad comes in. And now you have the last thing we have in terms of sources is the Rivos Ephraim. The Rivos Ephraim, Bob, you're still there? Computer it's story. about to cheer uh, because you're, you, you're about you're about to cheer. Okay, good. Yes. So this, what? Yeah, I know. I mean, and and uh, one, I, one of your rebellion, right? Right. I, the, my, I mean, not one of, but he was my my uh, my Rebbe. Uh, Rebbe. Okay. So here is a. So this is a Bob's Rebbe. The reverse of Ephraim is of Ephraim Greenblatt, who was a uh, a, a post out of a, his hometown was Memphis. Uh, he was a, a member of the Memphis Grizzlies, I think it was, and uh, <laughs> and uh, a, a prolific author. He wrote uh, uh, many volumes of tshuvas. They have them in the call if somebody would like to see it. So it's, I don't know, 14, 15 volumes or something like that. And all of them are four or 500 pages. He just wrote a ton. And he, you know, when you write that much, you write almost about every topic which, which exists. So he has a long tshuva about this. Um, of which we're not going to see all of it. It is which which volume is this one in? Um, I think it's in Chelik Zion. Okay. For some reason they don't put the Chelik number, but uh, I think it's Chelik Zion. Shinpei Hey. But I I could check to make uh, to make sure later. So, anyways, so he he wrote about this. Uh, his in, his uh, focus on the, the 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 bulk of his tshuva isn't so much golems. He is more interested in if you actually create an animal uh, using the Sefer Yitzira. So is that animal kosher? Does it need to be shechted? All of the things which we would normally uh, wonder about with regards to animals. So is the meat fleshig? If you go ahead and you create it, maybe this is your, uh, uh, this is my chance for my double bacon cheeseburger, is we'll create a pig with the Sefer Yitzira, and we'll create a cow with the Sefer Yitzira, and they'll be able to take all of these ingredients, which are parved, and make my double bacon cheeseburger out of it. So this is really where more of his attention in this chuva is. But along the way, so he brings up this issue. And he says that uh, he quotes from other svarb of the chida. He says, picking up, we'll pick it up here from the fourth line, not that you can see. He says, When you have a person, a golem, created with the sefer yitzira, he's missing the capacity to speak. That's part of the nature of this golem. They cannot speak. And like we saw before, it's going to be categorized halachically like an animal that happens to resemble a person. Like that safer set. 
And therefore, from that perspective, asking whether a golem counts as a center would be the same thing as asking whether a cow or a bull or a goat would count towards a minion. Certainly nobody's going to say that if you have, uh, you know, uh, Billy Goat's gruff over there, that that should count towards your uh, your minion. Maybe if you had a little too much, you know, by the, uh, by the tavern outside of Wrigley Field, you may entertain the possibility that a, a goat is going to count towards a minion. But in no- normal circumstances, nobody would entertain that. And then he says... Um, yeah, and then he says... Uh, that the uh, the Rav Yaakov Emden also confirms this idea that a person created by a Sefer Yitzira is going to be like an animal, going to be categorized halakhically as an animal, and therefore certainly not going to count. And then in his conclu- uh, the conclusion of this paragraph, he says, the fourth to last line, he says, Similarly, the Chazunish writes, that if you go ahead and you create a being with the Sefer Yitzirah, he has no rights and privileges of a Jew whatsoever. And it's likely, says the Chazanish, he's not even considered to be human. Not only is he not Jewish, but he's not even really considered to be a human. And therefore, according to these opinions, according to the majority of opinions, uh, majority of authorities, so a golem would not be able to count towards a, uh, towards, a, uh, towards a minion. Now, all of this, now, all of this, as we said, is, is uh, with regards to a golem. We said at the outset of the shear, at least that's the, the title that we gave to it, is do clones count towards a minion? So a clone is fundamentally different than a golem in both of these regards, both of the shortcomings which the postgame have pointed out, which is number one, the fact that it was not born from a woman. That's one of the things that the Chacham Tzvi talked about, that Shofech Dam HaDam Damo Yishafech. So it has to be only those who are born from a woman would count those who are not, like a golem, so they would not count. So that would not apply to a clone, because although you'll take the, uh, the DNA from one cell and you'll put it into another cell, and from that you'll be able to create a, uh, potentially create a, uh, a human, but eventually, like we said at the outset, so at some point you need to go ahead and you need to put that back inside of a uh, back inside of a of a person, and being that eventually has to be put back inside of a woman's womb in order to continue to develop, so that is born from a woman, and on top of which, there's no reason to assume it will be uh, almost. Uh, uh, I would say completely pointless, but one of the things which they anticipate once technology gets that good and you could actually clone a person is that they should be able to speak as well. So one of the shortcomings of the golem is the fact that they cannot speak and they may not be able to hear either. And that also would not apply in the case of a clone. And therefore it seems in all likelihood that when the technology advances to the point where they actually can create a clone of a person, that that person would be counted towards a, a minion without any hesitation uh, whatsoever. And we don't need to go ahead and check somebody's barcode on the back of their neck or something and to see where they were uh, brought into existence, whether by in, in a lab, whether a, a cloning lab or, uh, or in a natural way. You still have to wait 13 years. But you still may have to wait. Yeah, yeah. And so certainly the clone, you'll have to wait 13 years. Correct. And on that matter, there's no womb for compromise. <laughs> oh, oh, Bob, come on. 
thin ice, thin ice, Bob. <laughs> That's good. He's he's ex- he's excited because we got the we got to bring in the uh, Rebbe Freim, yeah, Rebbe Greenblatt into the discussion. So that's a it's an exciting uh, it's, a, it's an exciting time. Anyone who would like to hear Bob speak on Sunday morning about having his books published, nine o'clock at show. Yeah, yeah. I hope there'll be uh, 